0: A mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the hacker maker. In each episode, I have someone from the security world that works in offensive cybersecurity, security research, bug bounty. And these stories are, are to help motivate you and inspire you to start your journey or help you if you're already in in the industry, kind of encourage you to work, you know, to uh, work harder and achieve your goals and your dreams and so this episode, I'm really happy to introduce uh, John Hammond. He does great things for the community. He's a great content creator. Uh, you know, he's some of the best videos out there on YouTube. If you're wanting to learn how to do stuff, he's kind of like a, a master of the CTF stuff and CTF world and very impressive. So it's an honor to have you on the show, John. Well, hey, thank you so
2: much, Philip. Uh, I'm super flattered to be here and thank you for the lovely introduction. Uh, super excited
1: uh, chat about anything. I'm here for you, my friend. Yeah, good to have you. I mean, we we share a passion with helping others and so that's one of the, the things I like because you're genuine in your helping other people and and that's very uh relevant, you know, reflected in in all you do. So, you know, some people may have not heard of you. They're just getting started in the industry, but uh would you mind uh, introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about yourself to our listeners? Totally, absolutely.
2: So hey, hi, hello. Uh my name is John Hammond. Um during the day, kind of from my day job, I work as a senior security researcher at a cybersecurity vendor and a software provider called Huntress that does managed threat detection and, and tries to hunt down hackers. Uh in my spare time, <laughs> what I have of it, right? I I try to do some YouTube and some content creation. Um I like to host capture the flag events and bring training and education to uh the world really the best that I can. Uh, um, but also try to do, hey, some public outreach and engagement, to do, whether it's podcasts like this or webinars or virtual events or things that I can do uh, to just kind of be part of the culture, part of the scene. So uh, super happy to be here.
1: Yeah, good, good to have you once again. And uh, I, what all you do, thanks for what all you do for the community. Uh, so, uh, you know, most people that watch the show are just getting started out and the stories that the guests share on how they got started are very helpful. So could you share kind of your origin story, how you got started.
2: Ooh, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, so it's a little bit of a long-winded story. So if I'm rambling for too much, I don't don't hesitate to, to okay. cut me off here. But um, no, I, so I, I, I'm a young dude and I hopefully that resonates or, or at least kind of has some kinship to anyone listening that just feels like, hey, they're trying to get started. They're trying to find their footing in security. Uh, I, I feel like I grew up kind of like any kid might and they say, hey, I want to make video games or I want to be a hacker. Uh, and we all have the internet, right? We all have access to a computer, I would think. So back in the day, I would try to Google around and just research, hey, how, how to make video games, something as simple and as cheesy as that, or how to be a hacker. Uh, somehow, I think I was luckily enough to, to stumble upon Eric S. Raymond or one of his blogs uh, that had said like, hey, if, if you really have an interest in this, you need to learn how to program. You need to learn how to code. You need to learn how to script. Uh, and at the time that had recommended Python, as a language to, so, Hey, you know, uh, cut your teeth on it, learn a little bit. And, and that really opened the floodgates because, well, Hey, if you want to do this, you should probably be in, linux uh, hey i wanted to get started in that operating system and learn about it it's like oh cool if i'm if i'm working with linux can i host a website can i can i have a server uh and again at a young age my dad super generous kind of showed me the ropes with simple stuff like html and css and like hey if you want to stand up a website here's how you could do that and here's that sort of thing so for a long period of my life uh probably like middle school high school age i i was really interested in just how to create things how to build and make stuff. And again, oh, quote unquote, video games. It sort of shifts as you start to play with it more. Uh, it it was really, wasn't until I got into kind of my undergraduate or university or college, uh, I went to the United States Coast Guard Academy. So having a little bit of a military institution there, they they care much more about, cool, you can build this thing for us. If you can make this, but I want to make sure that it's safe to use? Is it strong? Is it sturdy? Is it stable? And is it secure? Uh, and that was really interesting because it introduced me to a whole nother world of, of security testing and understanding logic and audits and assessments. Uh, and the very, very first event that we kind of ended up doing with that was called Cyber Stakes. And that was a competition hosted for all of the service academies by uh, For All Secure and the Plaid Parliament of Poning. And I didn't even realize at the time, because I didn't realize that I was going into a capture the flag or, or a CTF event. Uh, and I didn't realize that it was being put on by like the number one team <laughs> in the world at that time. Plaid parliament opponent, they were a pretty big name in the scene. Uh, I met Tyler Nicewander, I was having dinner with him and just chatting and didn't even know who the dude was, like a celebrity in that, in that culture. Uh, and we went to the very first time and we kind of made a fool of ourselves because we just didn't just didn't know what we were doing. Uh, a little bit of underdog, right? We just wasn't sure uh, what all worked where and how and what a CTF even was or looked like in any of the security sense. We, if we were trying to do binary exploitation and all we have is like dump, a command line tool, we, uh, <laughs> we just weren't quite sure. Uh, so after the event, I ended up asking Tyler and some of the other folks, they're like, hey, how do we get better at this? Um, and that was when he told me about like a lot of online free, totally accessible training exercises and war games, stuff like over the wire stuff, like smash the stack stuff, like ring zero and CTF time.org to be able to find other events and other training vehicles to, you know, kind of practice. Uh, and that really is, I don't know what, what would open the floodgates or let the snowball roll even more because then it was just fun. Uh, and, that kind of set the stage from, okay, middle school, high school, college and university. And then once I'm out of that scene to the industry and starting a career, um, thankfully, because I've been able to put in a lot of that time early on finding a foot in the door, uh, looking for a first role or opportunity. It, it wasn't too tough. Uh, I think I had a little bit to, to show and some competency to, to flex a little bit. Uh, so Hey, that, that was probably the springboard
1: for me. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting is it's cool to hear your story. I've seen you around for a while, but just didn't really know how you got into it. But interesting, really cool. The, the CTF thing, I think people really underestimate sometimes how powerful that is. If you're wanting to be a pen tester, some of the best, one of the best pen testers I know locally, and he's done things as as far as he does like uh, ATM pen testing and red teaming. And so, he, he went to like a Raytheon uh, CTF during one of the, the Texas conferences, and it was supposed to be like a multi-day uh, CTF, and he solved it within the first hour <laughs> or 30 minutes and found That's a awesome. vulnerability, it, yeah, essentially an, an O-Day, and he found that and solved the CTF. And it was an interesting one, too, because they had like a video camera set up monitoring. I think it was around October because it was near Halloween, so they had like a bowl of candy. The camera was monitoring it. And he found a flaw and was able to exploit it to be able to get around the camera. And so they like offered him a job on the spot, but it's, but like I said, I think a lot of people underestimate how CTFs are helpful because, you know, a lot of times when people describe the OSCP, they refer to it being a CTF like, and it's not, not a bad thing because don't you think that some of those kind of scenarios are more difficult than some of the things you run into real world pen testing wise.
2: Yeah. I I, I know a lot of folks and it's a a fair point. Uh, Some might just kind of poo poo on a capture the flag because it is a, a puzzle. It is a toy. It is a game. And some folks might say, oh, that's not realistic. It's not real world. I see where they're coming from. And in some cases, right, in some events, and some competitions, that might very well be the case. Hey, you're doing some cheesy, silly steganography, or you're using some old archaic cryptography thing that just isn't in use. Uh, In my opinion, really doing Capture the Flag and being hands-on, just being on the keyboard, doing application-based practical learning to really get yourself in it in a tangible way. uh, That's where the most learning comes from. And it teaches you much more soft skills is not the right word, but it's a higher level thing, right? When you're kind of fostering your own grit and determination and stubbornness and troubleshooting and debugging and problem solving, critical thinking, uh, you might bang your head against the wall for a a CTF challenge for hours or days. uh, And that really kind of gives you a certain amount of stubbornness so when you're doing it in the real world whether it's penetration testing or bug bounty etc uh you know not to quit uh because you know if you just keep trying something else if you just keep poking at some other hole uh something's going to fall through something might happen something might move and you'll see Ooh, there's that lead there's that progress that i just hadn't been able to see for the past however many hours uh, i think that is one really really valuable thing of, of capture the flag and in some cases it's not just that puzzle or toy there are a lot of exercises and war games now that do make it much more of a penetration testing real world environment Hey, we've set up a whole Active Directory network for you. You can pivot from one machine to another, do some lateral movement, do exfiltration.
1: Uh, those, I think, are, are, are phenomenal. Yeah, and I think it also, one of the things it does too, because you even have like, just to kind of show the importance of it, you have National Cyber League that, you know, that a lot of the colleges do, and they hire from those lists. So just to kind of show how important that is to hiring managers, uh, but one of the things i think too is uh it really teaches you how to uh give you a better idea of cryptography because when you just read about it you don't understand it but it seems like when you get those different challenges in the ctfs it helps better cement those concepts totally i think i, I so I, I look often at defcon
2: right one of the hey the world's most infamous hacking conference and hacking event uh and when you get to the defcon capture the flag it's like the world series of hacking. Like it's, it's the Olympics, right? Uh, and those guys are absolute ninjas. They're <laughs> like wizards so far beyond me. But I think it's just so cool whether you're doing low-level binary exploitation or firmware reversing or crazy shenanigans like that. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it, it's, it flexes a muscle that you might not be able to do in your day job or what you already accustom yourself with. Uh, and I think that's a really strong selling point point is that you might get introduced to technology or software and hardware that you wouldn't otherwise because it's just not part of your workflow. It's not things that you use. It's not part of your software stack or your security stack or what you're used to seeing. So uh, it, it, it makes you very well-rounded and very diverse and you have just so much more exposure to new things uh, and you get to learn quick on your feet. And foster that continuous love of learning.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too. You know, a lot of companies are, you know, do their, uh, vetting or skills evaluations of, uh, potential employees. And an example of a company that does some similar CTF type stuff is Point Three. Yeah. Cause point, a lot of companies are using Point Three to vet, you know, potential candidates. And actually I had worked there for a while and I had to go through that challenge and it was, uh, pretty challenging and pretty difficult, but you know, I could see if someone had experience with, with, uh, CTFs, it would have been as much of a challenge for them and they would be a little more prepared for those type of, uh, assessments.
2: They have their, uh, escalate platform. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Super cool. I, I, I know because a lot of folks might have the conversation of, okay, how do I get smart on this? And they ask, is it a degree? Is it classic academia? Do I need my master's? Do I need certifications? Do I need industry stuff? Uh, I I think the value that you get from kind of setting yourself in a capsule flag environment is a certain amount of self-reliance and to do something different than what you might find in a cookie cutter textbook playthrough of solving a problem and solving a task. Uh, When you're trying to work through Escalate, when you're trying to work through point 0.3 or company XYZ and their hiring experience, like if they throw that technical challenge at you, uh, the way that you carve through that is by doing things that you don't find in the textbook. Uh, it's, it's, it just takes a little bit more, hey, uh, experimentation and tinkering. And I think that you, you can grow and sharpen that outside of the classroom.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point too. trying to find some of those, you know, as far as a lot of the other trainings and stuff around cybersecurity is a little easier to find in the colleges and universities, but that piece gets a little more difficult. Yeah. You know, you have people like Sam bone out in San Francisco, that's teaching that, you know, he's doing stuff at black hat, but you know,
2: he does great stuff. it's,
1: It's a little more difficult to find that education in a traditional college setting. I was teaching at a college for a while, teaching ethical hacking web app pen testing and so it's just kind of more difficult, but yeah, that's pretty interesting. And so, uh, with all this experience, how did that help you during the OSCP was, I mean, did that seem to help a lot when you were going through the OSCP?
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I know there is a lot of mystique around OSCP. It sounds like this sort of, uh, I don't know, ominous t- trophy to, to chase and the Holy Grail to go after, um, It is 24 hours right? of heads down, you're on the keyboard, you're hacking at boxes, you're trying to make some progress. Uh, That having the CTF mentality, and while some folks say, yes, the OSCP is CTF-like, you aren't going to be doing any pivoting. You aren't going to be doing like, hey, moving through an internal network, compromising some active directory environment, uh, but you're taking advantage of vulnerabilities and exploits that you'll have to enumerate and look through right you'll have to find them and the biggest thing is is having that big picture view to enumerate and find those gaps and find those flaws uh, a lot of times that means you got to go through it with a fine tooth comb uh, so being heads down and and having that grit especially that stubbornness that determination that pays in dividends for the OSCP and i mean that is truthfully the the tip of the iceberg right i know folks say hey that is a beginner level certification and some I know sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow
1: <laughs> so yeah you were like the first to get the OSCE three isn't that correct yeah
2: yeah thanks so much oh um offensive security the training body that offers um off at OSCP offensive security certified professional they offer other certifications and training right um they have their web exploitation one. They have an exploit developer one. And they have a, a, an experienced penetration tester that is much more in an Active Directory environment doing pivoting and lateral movement and uh, doing antivirus evasion, crafting bypasses for some sort of defensive mechanisms. Very, very cool. Lots of great stuff. Uh, and the Halo of those three is what they call the, uh, OSCE three, the offensive security certified experts. Um, uh, very flattering. Uh, I, I was really pleased cause I, I, I like that stuff. I think it's fun to take on that challenge. Uh, so it was very sweet when I had locked those in, I got an email from their CEO and they said, Hey John, you're, you're, you got a first and it super sweet. Uh, and a, a wonderful thing, I guess.
1: That's very cool. They really did a good job. I think with, I haven't gone through that, but, how they changed between the original OSCE and yeah. divide out because you know they I guess they really concentrate on the different areas, some of the areas they used in that, but it separated out three different courses. And so I think there's a lot more value to it. And I think it's a, a you know bigger deal to have that certification now compared to the the legacy OSCE. So as far as so so uh how long did you have to study for the the OSCP? Because you know you had this this uh experience with CTFs and stuff. And I know some people like myself, I was getting started in pen testing and I didn't know how to the hacking piece. So I took the OSCP. So it took me from probably April 2012 till June 2013 to get through it. So um how much time? I mean with your, your CTF background, how long did you study for the OSCP before you took the exam?
2: Yeah, uh it truthfully it's a hard balance. And I, and I don't mean to just pop out a number or some training duration as if it's a, a braggadocio thing. Like I, I would want to do the 90 days. I would want to do three months where I could be in the lab environment, uh, and write notes, like take and study, watch all the videos, comb through the course book. Um, and I, I get a little obsessive about that. <laughs> like, well, I'm going through the videos. I almost try and write my own book with how thorough of the, of the, the notes that I might take, uh, and, and I'd go through the lab environment because for I think that's still an additional five points if you do a lab report of, hey, you compromised 10 boxes in the in the practice arena, in the lab environment. Uh, so I, I would carve on that. And truthfully, I guess it's not a matter of, hey, time and days, but how much time allotment can you invest? Like, I don't know if you got a chance, if someone's working a day job, if they got kids at home, if they have other obligations, it's really hard to find time To do that training and that studying Uh, if you can squeeze in an hour a day or maybe hey three to four or five hours a week uh, it's really how much can you dedicate and commit yourself to it because if you wanted to go all in hey you could speed run the thing you might be done in a month if if you're trying hard and absorbing everything like a sponge Uh, but no i i took 90 days for their lab environment and tried to soak up as much as i could (laughs)
1: And I, I'm pretty sure you passed the exam on the first try. I'm sure I, I had. Okay. Yes.
2: Uh, no, it it was good. Um, the grit, the determination. Mm-hmm. I, I tell folks, Hey, take a break often. I would literally like every hour just stand up and pace around the apartment just to clear your head, just to reset, just to revisit and refocus from another clean slate of mind. Um, then you redo your enumeration. Uh, Another good tidbit, if it's totally cool, I don't mean to be harping on OSCP, but I know a lot of folks might be interested in that. Uh, If you see something weird, like, hey, this machine has some program installed and that's not normal or on a default installation, uh, take a closer look at that. Uh, It it is there for a reason. Uh, And that, I think, could bring us even back to another interesting conversation of how the CTFs might vary from real world, because in the in the case of a exam, in the case of a test or a challenge, uh, the breadcrumbs are there for a reason. So you might know where at the end goal is and you could track it down and find it. Uh, it's not like that in the real world all the time. Is that fair to say,
1: Philip? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I do have to say sometimes with the OSCP and some of the CTF type stuff too, you, you can be tricky too because you're trying to make it a challenge at times so you can had those breadcrumbs that you think it leads to this. And actually there's something else you have to make sure you look at the, yeah. the big picture, couple of rabbit holes. <laughs> so this, this is a really great conversation because, you know, you constantly get asked by people on how to prepare for the OSCP and certifications and stuff. So someone that's just getting someone that's getting started out, you know, you had a lot of CTF experience. So what would be your recommendations for someone that want to do the OSCP? Would you do any kind of uh, pre- preparation up front before you started the course in the lab time? uh t- two parts of that question
2: um would i do any preparation up front uh and sort of hold out before going after it uh, i i might be very vocal about this opinion but no if-, if you really want oscp if you know hey you've got a goal this is the trophy this is the holy grail that you want then dive into it because the course the training the curriculum itself will give you what you need uh and and Do it like don't hold yourself back. Don't wait on it. Just it sounds so cheesy to get after it. Right. But that's genuinely what you should do. Uh, I have this weird cannonball mentality for a lot of certifications and training where I'll just dive into one and then another. Uh, But if you are looking to practice, if you are looking to prepare at any point there is a lot of good value in some great war games out there. Like I'm sure folks have mentioned a ton before hack the box, uh, try hack me cyber range, cyber psych labs. There are a lot of great ones and we could totally put out a list if need be, but there are so, so many free online resources. There are videos like my, from myself from Heath Adams. I think we, you've had a conversation with before the cyber mentor, uh,
1: Tiberius, tons of great, great people and great resources out there. Yes. And, uh, it's interesting you said go go right after it because, you know, some people recommend the OSCP light boxes because TJ Null has that list. And yeah, and so that's, but also, you know, I know we keep talking about the OSCP, but this is a, a popular subject and and I'll start getting away from that. But uh, one of the things too, I think it's a good option now is that they got the, the OSCP 365 or the PWK 365 where you get like a year's worth of lab time and it's pretty reasonable. So I think for someone that's brand new, that may be a good option opposed to 90 days, 90 days may not be enough. And, and I think you could go in and that you wouldn't really require a lot of outside stuff to prepare for it. Having a year's worth of lab time. Totally. Yeah. And it, whatever
2: that person is comfortable with, with time and budget uh, you got some that looks
1: like the best option for you. And so on the topic of uh, certifications, what are some other certifications that, that you think are good for those trying to get into the industry? Ooh.
2: Okay. Um, well, Hey, I, I have that love for offensive security as mentioned, um, e-Learn security and now I and E has put out some good stuff just as well. I have a few of their certifications. Um, I, for folks that might say, Hey, what about, you know, CompTIA, um, and EC council with the CEH or with the security plus, uh, I think those have their place, right? They're, they're valuable and they're good and, and when they need to be, um, I like and I love and adore when it's a hands-on training environment. Uh, there are a handful of options, right? That are just kind of a rote memorization, data dump, multiple choice test. And those have their merit. They, they do. But I, I just really like seeing the person on the keyboard, uh, getting them actually in the learning environment, doing it for real rather than just talking about it, you know? But I, I have a security plus myself. I have CEH. C- uh, they are great when needed. So,
1: yeah. Then he's got his his new certification out there. It seems to be getting pretty good yeah. traction too. He he is crushing it. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I'm really. Sur- <laughs> he's got some incredible stuff. Yeah, it's really amazing how he's expanded his TCM Academy. That he's giving other, getting other creators to put stuff on there. So I've been pretty impressed. And far as his certification goes. I noticed recently that Tenable was hiring and actually Tenable, that was one of his certs, was one of the ones they listed.
2: Nice. That's incredible. He's he's getting a lot of traction. Uh, there are other folks that do that just as well. Mm-hmm. I know Rasta Mouse, um, he's put out his own CRTO or the Certified Red Team Operator. Great resources out there. Just a matter of looking around,
1: doing the Google search. Yeah, Rasta Mouse's course is pretty cool. And he recently went moved over to Snap Labs. And yeah. one of the beauty of that course is a lot of these other ones, when you start your lab time, it runs out and like, you know, you got 90 days of lab time, 90 days from the beginning it's done. But with his now it's based on what you've actually used. So if you go in there and it's ran for an hour, you've only used an hour worth of lab time, which is kind of nice that, you know, life gets in the way sometimes and you have to pause things. So at least you're not burning up lab time. So that's kind of cool.
2: I know he has uh, been revamping the original CRTO course, and for a while it was sort of a back and forth between Covenant mm-hmm. and-, and Cobalt Strike for like a command and control framework of choice. I think now hey, he's got access to Cobalt Strike for every student, which is super cool. And I think he also just put out a like a building your own command and control framework or C2 in C-sharp. Yeah. So, lots of great leap tradecraft and, and very cool modern stuff from his, from his Antelope woods. Yeah.
1: I kind of think that's going to end up becoming like the OSCP of red teaming certs, you know, yeah. cause it's really pretty cool. I went through it last year before he switched platforms. And fortunately I had access to a cobalt strike license to go through it, but it's nice that they're, they're offering that now as well as bill, you know, covenant too, because you may go to work somewhere that doesn't have uh, a cobalt strike license. So that's pretty important that he's doing that. So yeah, it's good. You would mentioned, uh, coding. So do you think it's important for people to know how to script or code that are getting started out or do you, is that something Ooh. they can do later? So that's a super common question. A
2: super good one, uh, without a doubt. Um, cause a lot of, it might seem intimidating when folks are like, Hey, do I really have to know how to code? Cause they just might not be in that scene. Uh, when folks ask, do I have to learn how to code to be a hacker, to be an ethical hacker, to do pen testing, red teaming, et cetera, <laughs> the, the answer is no, kind of, like with an asterisk, with a big, big dis- disclaimer and footnote, uh, I, I, I try to draw this parallel like, look, if you don't know how to code and you want to do this, cool, you can walk, right? You, you can, might be able to crawl. You're going to kind of go at a slow pace. Not bad, you're still doing it, you're still moving, but if you can script, if you can program, if you can write your own tools and have a finer understanding of what the tools that you use use and do how they work, then you can run right then you're really you're really up in the ante uh, it 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 might seem kind of silly to say this, but that comes across like the literal definition of a script kitty right <laughs> i don't and I don't mean to be uh, uh brusque in that, but it, knowing how it all works under the hood and being able to recraft that and rework it and write your own, uh, that all comes from coding. That all comes from programming and scripting. So if you don't want to, you should. You should absolutely kind
1: of want to get smarter in that realm yeah so what do you think about screw you mentioned python so what do you think of golang you think that's a good one yes i'm super glad that you mentioned
2: i I am a huge fan of golang i've been trying to get a little bit sharper on it python has always kind of been my knee-jerk reaction like just my weapon of choice hey when there's a problem in front of me all right i'll whip out the python interpreter and, and carve through this uh but golang golang feels just as fun just as easy to write and easy to read crazy fast can cross compile to anything uh I'm a huge fan of Golang. I think in the red teaming penetration testing world, I I believe some, some of the shady, spooky stuff you might do with Golang is getting picked up a lot more from detection engines, right? Like, hey, Windows Defender might pick it up. Antivirus product ABC might pick it up. I know there's a lot of hot conversations like oh should we be doing stuff in Nim should we be doing stuff in Rust where are you in that world Philip if I might
1: ask what what sort of your you <laughs> know yeah what well, language of choice I'd kind of played around with Python some so I really don't not uh fluent in any but I can modify Python scripts and that sort of thing nice. but last year right in the middle of the pandemic I was really you know I went through some some uh, Rasta Mouse's course, a couple of the Pentester Academy Red Team courses they had out. And I started playing around Go some uh, because I know some consultants uh, that work for a local consulting company and they wrote a C2 in Golang and just hearing some of the stuff that they were doing with that. And just, you know, I want to learn that too, also because, like you mentioned, cross compiling, because, you know, a lot of times you're trying to compile things. It can be kind of tricky to compile Windows stuff on on Linux sometimes. And sometimes you need visual yep. studio and stuff to compile. So I thought that was kind of interesting with go Lang and the fact that, you know, you can compile it. Whereas, you know, Python, you have to use Py to exe or Py installer to be able to, to set that up. And from what I understand a lot of that stuff's getting caught. So it's, so I need to spend more time on go and actually commit to learning a language because the mistake I make is I'll take a course and that's the problem. I go through the course. And then everyone that tells me, gives me advice that I actually know how to code or script. They're telling me just write something, figure out something you want to write and write a script opposed to waiting until you learn everything there is to know about it before you try to apply it, getting the hands-on experience with it. That's an interesting idea. Yeah.
2: Cause I, I tend to, want to jump right to coding and building something and making it without trying to take a step back and think about how I would architect this. Like if I wanted a good, solid, stable tool or product or an an application that I could use to help make my workflow better, like, uh, okay. Emulate earn and, and sort of go through the whole steps of some cyber kill chain attack thing and offensive security or red teaming, pen testing, whatever. Uh, I just want to dive right into the text editor and write code. Mm -hmm. And then I might kind of get lost in the weeds or just kind of stuck trying to like, okay, I've built this part of the framework and I know that I need to bring something else in. And now my mind is tripping up because I hadn't taken time to, plan and brainstorm and think about it beforehand Uh, it sounds so cheesy and it sounds so dumb and i for the longest time was like no i don't want to write pseudocode i don't want to think about how the program works i just want to make it hurry up uh but in the moment if you start to trip over yourself it really sucks
1: (laughs) yeah very very interesting so uh a lot of people are trying to find out you know are trying to find ways to get experience when they're breaking in the industry uh you know some people are doing hack the box and those type of things. So what's your advice for ways for people to get experience so that they can use on a resume or during an interview when they're trying to trying to get a job?
2: Cool. Well, hey, I think I've beat the dead horse already on uh, Capture the Flag, War Games, online training environments and ranges. Uh, We've talked a little bit about certifications. We've talked a little bit about training and education and degrees and all. Uh, I think there are still some other key components that we haven't been able to shine the spotlight on. Um, And these are the the fun ones in my mind. Um, Show your work, right? Uh, show your involvement, show what you've done. When you're doing a hack the box or try hack me machine, or when you're solving some challenges from a weekend to capture the flag, put it out on a blog or write articles about it or make videos to showcase, Hey, I've done this. Um, Or when you've got some security conferences coming up or some events, virtual events or live and in person, whatever it may be see if you could squeeze in to, hey, maybe give a talk on some of the cool stuff that you've done. And I know that feels like a a strange barrier. Some folks, they might not be a little spooked by the idea of giving a talk, getting up on stage. Uh, But it doesn't have to be that. Maybe you'd like to run a workshop, or maybe you just kind of want to volunteer to, I don't know, help be a moderator in the Discord, or you want to greet people at the door and hand them the program. I don't don't know. Uh, But be a part of b-sides events be a part of local hey OWASP wasp chapters be a part of any of the crazy stuff shenanigans and conferences that might be on and about if you can do that if you can be part of the scene put out your work and all that when you go to an employer uh i think they really like that stuff because it shows your passion it shows your drive and it shows how you've genuinely done it you, you have literally something to show for it, like the portfolio, your GitHub repository, your website. Uh, in the silly case of my own, look, I have a, I have a cheesy YouTube channel. Uh, and it feels so weird to say, you know, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy with a YouTube channel. Uh, but when a real company and a real business looks at it, they're like, holy crap. This is thousands or hundreds of videos showcasing legitimate technical stuff. hey this this guy might he might have an idea what he's doing. <laughs> we should hire that person, that individual. Uh, so having that on your resume, being able to uh, really document and archive and give the library and catalog of what you've done, hey, that'll that'll really put a foot in the door.
1: So. yeah, that's 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 great advice and one of the things I've seen recently that, uh, the mayor Joe helley's really been promoting is is going Oops. out and, and doing CVEs, downloading some of the open source free and open yeah. source applications and finding CVEs. And someone, uh, actually Michael Patrick, uh, that goes under Fearless, the handle Fearless, you know, he recently got a job, and I think part of what helped him was was having CVEs or having a CVE.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Any of that great research just goes the same. And I think it's pretty cool to see it on a resume. Like, Hey dude, this guy has a couple CVEs
1: to his name. He he really knows his stuff. I think that's a great thing. And not everyone at Pentest has CVEs. I don't have a CVE myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not an end all be all. Yeah. It's not like a make or break thing, uh, but it's just kind sort of a cool, maybe a nice accolade.
1: So So what do you think about like content creation? Because I've seen a lot, you know, there's been a lot of people, you know, like yourself, how do you think that really is affects people's careers? Because, you know, you see some people fairly new that are doing this and they seem to have some good success with it.
2: Yeah. Um, oh goodness. That's a, (laughs) a lot. So again, I don't want to be some jerk pretentious guy, but being able to have the outlet for content creation, being able to have that platform Opens so many doors and and so many opportunities just kind of come to you. Um, There's another uh, security content creator. His name is Live Overflow. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be huge in the hardcore pen testing, uh, red teaming, ethical hacking scene, uh, but still in the realm of security and security research. Uh, He works, I think, closely with Google a little bit. And and Jinville Coleman is another another creator in the YouTube scene. Um, And they had reached out. And invited me to the google capture the flag finals over in london um and they decided john look you don't need to be a player like you don't need to compete we just like to have you there just to hang out (laughs) like just to record maybe take your camera just to get some footage of all the players doing the cool thing and it was such an incredible experience being in a room full of absolute geniuses like the, the, the hardcore great ctf wizards and security professionals uh I just i don't know it's so cool to have that invitation so flattering and wonderful to be there with all those folks um and then opportunities at conferences and events and to join the show here with you philip like uh, uh if i didn't have that platform if i didn't have the, that content with me i don't know if i if, if i'd have any of the things that come my way so <laughs>
1: Yeah, it seems it's very inspiring to see what, you know, people have done like yourself and then some people that are newer that a lot of what they, a lot of their entry was based on content creation. You know, some people traditionally, you know, like yourself, you've done more of the technical side and that was just kind of something you did in parallel. But it's interesting how people are getting in, you know, from their content creation. So that's pretty cool. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Are there any parting comments you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Oh yeah. I, so if it's totally cool, I, I have this one, uh, tidbit that I think might be valuable. Uh, and I don't, if, if you want to kind of spin off of it and maybe have some other conversations, we certainly could. But, uh, I think for a lot of what we've been doing, we've been really tactical. We're talking about CTFs. We're talking about training and really hardcore stuff, uh, in the mix. Uh, I would like to just take maybe the last couple of moments to do a little bit of like big picture strategy, because it's really cool when we're talking about security, as a whole as a big umbrella term uh sometimes you pitch your red team and your blue team good and uh, hey the adversary the offense versus the defense i i truthfully see myself as a little bit of an anomaly coming on hanging out here here with you philip because like my day job with huntress leans a little bit more blue team than it does red team uh but i think the significant factor and how I might be able to contribute and be a member of that team is knowing and understanding how the offense works, knowing the adversary, knowing the tradecraft, knowing the tooling, knowing the vulnerabilities and exploits, being the pen tester and red teamer. Uh, there's a stupid, cheesy tagline that says, hey, our offense is your defense. That's just because that it's the best way to play. When you have a greater understanding of how an ethical hacker or a penetration tester or red teamer emulating a real threat actor really would do their business. Um, When we do CTFs and when we do tabletop exercises, it's easy to think, hey, it's a game. Uh, But when you take it to the real scope of security, real threat actors, real adversaries, maybe real ill-intended people trying to do bad stuff, uh, not a game anymore. So doing all the grunt work and the hard work here it uh, makes us so much better when the stakes are at
1: scale <laughs> yeah great great advice there and it's interesting too you know for those getting started learning both sides are very helpful because i kind of started out on a blue team side and then you know i think even if you're a blue team or not really wanting to get into the offensive side i think it's good to know that to be a better defender
2: yeah, they feed off of each other. Yeah the, yeah, the idea of the purple team, right? Uh, I, I am a, a big proponent of that.
1: Yeah, purple teaming is, is pretty valuable. I got to do that with a past job, and it it's a really good way to take some of those tools out of the hands of attackers when you can go through and make sure people can't run Mimikatz from you know workstations in the environment, make sure that the endpoints catching things and preventing things.
2: Hey, that was my, uh, gentle reminder, everything that you do, everything that we do, uh, everyone that anyone listening in might do, it's got that greater purpose. It's got that real, real meaning and fulfillment there. So, uh, maybe a good note to end on. I don't know about you, (laughs) Philip.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a great spot to end. Thanks for joining me. It's been an honor to learn more about you and, uh, thanks for sharing your story and your wisdom. Hey, it's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode.
0: BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley